And how many of you know that singing it is not the same as living it? Now, it helps us to sing it. It's not the same as living it. And uh, we live in a, a day and age that's it's just full of slogans, right? Everything that you buy has a slogan that goes with it. And uh, slogans just show up everywhere. And we live in a time where we can think that if we say the slogan, we're actually living it. And that's just not true. It's just, it can be, it doesn't have to be, but it can be just words. And uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus said that out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He didn't say out of our mouth. Now, that doesn't mean that what we say isn't important. That, that's not what it, but that's a different issue. But the issue is out of our innermost being, out of, the, out of the center of our lives is where the living water is to flow. And when it's flowing from the center of our lives, the words will take care of themselves in a sense, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the scripture says, the mouth speaks. So whatever our heart is full of abundance of, that can be good news and that can be not so good news. It will come out will come out and we, we don't just, when, when things come out that we don't mean for them to come out, it's not because we just blew it. It's because it was in there. Now, I'm not saying that to shame us. I'm saying that just to recognize that that's how that works. And so Jesus invites us to work on our hearts and what's the, the inner part of us. Because the externals will take care of themselves when we work on the inside and that's a challenge for us as human beings because there's so much pressure for the outward image and the outward appearance and to look a certain way uh, regardless sometimes of what's going on inwardly so I hope what I have to share with you today is helpful I hope you'll you'll think about it and uh, for quite a while not just today and let me share with you just before I even get into my talk, one of my concerns, and I hope you can hear this as I mean it to be, um, and please don't hear it as any disregard for any ministry time that we'll have afterwards, because I, I think ministry times are really, really good, and I think we should have them, we should participate in them, but here's my concern. And I might have touched on this the last time, I'm not sure, because it's an ongoing concern, and I don't have it just here, I have a concern as I look back on my own history as a pastor and different places that I've participated in. We can, we can, we don't have to, but we can fall into a kind of thinking that leads us to believe that if after I hear a talk, I go forward and I get prayer, that it's kind of done. And, and if God uh, zaps me, well and good, and then I will be on the right path and I will walk out and then and I come back next week and I do it all over again. Now hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that coming forward and receiving prayer and ministry is not good. I think it's very valuable. But folks, that's not how it works. How it works is what happens when we go out these doors along with what we learn inside these walls, but when we go outside and we put into practice what we're learning. What, what, that's true of anything, isn't it, really? You can go hear the finest lecture on you name the topic, a great TED talk on something, and you go, that is like the best thing that I've ever heard. 
And you and I do this. I walk. I, I walk away from that. And I and I, if I don't really take it to heart and I don't think about it and I don't put it into practice, that's the key. It will just be yet another lecture that I heard that I liked. You know, it's like taking a course in parachuting and you never parachute. And you know all the th rules about parachuting and this that, or gardening or whatever, or baking a cake, whatever, riding a bicycle, whatever it might be, some kind of competition. If you don't put it into practice and interact with it, it's not going to take you very far. And God works that way in our lives spiritually as well. Doesn't mean it's all on us. But it means that we do have a role of participation, don't we? And, and it sounds to me like you guys do a lot of that. So I'm not like chastising you, but I just want to encourage you because it's very easy to forget that. You know, we kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. And then when we go home, we don't really put it into practice. Let's take just a minute, if we can, just to quiet our hearts. And I'll, I'll introduce what I want to share with you. Let's quiet our hearts and then I'll lead us in a prayer of just asking the Lord to really help us get uh, this afternoon what he wants us to get. Not what I want you to get, not maybe what your friend wants you to get, but what he wants us to get. Let's just wait on him for just, just a few moments. you say in your word that we're to learn how to still our hearts and know that you are God and we confess to you that often our hearts and our lives are so busy and so full we don't find much stillness and because we don't find much stillness sometimes Lord we fall short of knowing you to the depths that you want us to know you. So help us, Lord, to be still this evening, not just physically, but in those quiet, deep places of our heart where we can receive what your Holy Spirit wants to give to us. And I assume, Lord, that that will vary from person to person, and because of the way you work, Lord, some people will hear some things tonight that I didn't even say, but you said them. And because you said them and because we were open, we heard what you said and we acted on that. So, Lord, we give that to you in Jesus' name. And everybody agreeing together said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, um, we'll see, give... Uh, is it Adam back there running the slides? We'll give you a workout. We'll see if you do the slides right. You always have, or whoever has, so I'm kind of kidding about that. I want to I wanna talk with you tonight about the topic of learning, of, of living, uh, living by the Spirit. I have something in my way here. Living by the Spirit and growing in the grace and knowledge of God. And before I get into that, I want to read a passage of Scripture 
to remind us from uh, uh, some Second Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. And this will make sense as I get into the introduction of something that uh, we all experience uh, from day to day, but sometimes we just forget. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, he says this, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comprehension. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I was thinking, how many of you know, I mean, I know you probably know who he is. How many of you, I know you're not old enough to have seen the original ones, but how many of you know who Mr. Rogers is? Everybody knows who Mr. Rogers is, right? How many of you actually watched Mr. Rogers? I've taped since, you know, okay. Mr. Rogers says this, the things that are most important are invisible. He had that on his desk. I don't know if he was thinking about this passage, He was a committed believer, and he used children's television to teach the concepts of goodness and godliness in a way that he knew that he couldn't go completely public because of the public television uh, requirements, but he nevertheless walked them out. Paul says in this passage, he reminds us that we live, this is the way I'll put it, in the way I heard it put, and it's very helpful, I think, that we live in two landscapes. The first landscape that we live in is this physical one that we interact with on a daily basis. We're physical beings and we interact with other physical beings in the physical world and the creation around us. And that's physical. And those are the things that are seen. Paul reminds us that that which we see is actually temporal. Everything in here, including our physical bodies and everything that's surrounding us, one day is going to be gone. It's not going to be in the same uh, state that it's in right now. This wood is going to decay and the carpet's going to be thrown out and so on and so forth. And, it's going to be, and even after that, it's going, to, it's, going to, it's going to be gone. What's behind the physical is the spiritual. God spoke and caused things to come into being through his word, it says, and the spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters in Genesis 1.1, and God moved and God spoke, and he created the physical aspects of what we see. But the physical comes from the spiritual. We have a way sometimes of thinking, not so much in the terms of our faith, that spiritual can sound a little bit like, but not really real, right? I mean, I mean it can sound like that. It, it shouldn't, because God is spirit, That doesn't mean he's not really real. He just doesn't have a physical body as God the Father, Jesus the Son, does, did, and has now a glorified body, a resurrected body. So I'm going to read to you something that I want to read this because I I just think it's important to, I I normally don't read this much in a a sermon. I want to read the first part about this idea of, of two landscapes. And I want you to think about your life as I read through this. It's just... It's like one page here, of, uh, on, so it's not going to go on and on and on and on and on, and you'd be all there, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe that he's reading all this, okay? So, 
Based on that passage we just looked at, try this on. You and I find ourselves living within the bounds of two realities. Really only one reality, but it appears to us as two. Call them two different landscapes. One is the reality of the physical, what we taste and touch and hear and see and feel. The world system that we live in puts great emphasis on this landscape, on the physical, the physical appearance of things. In and of itself, this landscape is not bad. God created the physical. It's only bad when it comes to take first place in our lives as human beings. When we love the creation in place of the creator, it is our response to the physical which then takes, the, that takes his place in forms of idolatry of all kinds. It takes the place of the worship and love of God that he is to have. Emphasis on the physical only cuts us off from the love and help that God intends for us to have. 1 John 2.16 says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. In our upbringing, we were taught to depend upon the physical world, the world of physical cause and effect, knowledge of the spiritual world, the world of God has been pushed out and we have this emphasis. In fact, if you claim to have knowledge of the spiritual world, you are often looked upon as suspect, right? Some of your friends look at you a little suspect. Oh yeah, that religious stuff is good for you, it's all right for you, but no thanks. You know, and they might find it very hard to even believe, they believe anything that you might wanna to try to say to them. So we find ourselves immersed in a world and in a culture where the flow and the focus of most people is towards the physical. After all, there are no major news reports of God breaking into the lives of humans. You know, tonight at 10, God breaks in and rescues a party of five on a fishing boat in the middle of, of, Golden, of uh, the bay. I mean, we, you may read that in an article somewhere, a little snippet. Uh, I didn't take the time to look this up. I used it in a, a, another illustration. But there was a story years ago now of a family that found a homeless person. Uh, they, they didn't know if it was by divine intervention or by a coincidence, and they admitted that. And at the end of the story, they, I'm sorry, found a, home, found a son who had been homeless and uh, had some mental uh, conditions and was homeless. And, and at the end of this article, the, one of the policemen said, this is the quote, it was sheer dumb luck. It was a miracle. Yeah. Well, you, you read that and you go, wait a minute. What, let me read that again. It was sheer dumb luck. It was a miracle. You see, that's the conflict that people have when they might think that something spiritual is going on, but maybe they don't really have that place in their minds to hang it, so, they, so it becomes sheer dumb luck. Well, sheer dumb luck isn't a miracle. And a miracle isn't sheer dumb luck. Okay, almost, almost done. There are no major news reports of God breaking in on the lives of humans. Commute traffic is not a great example of people learning to love their neighbors or preferring one another in love or giving honor to one another. Have you noticed? 
And this creates pressure in our lives, pressure to go with the flow. We come to meetings like this, we get lifted up, which is a good thing. We meet with other believers. We rejoice in the reality of God. But when we go back out, the battle continues. Is God around? Will he really help me? Does he even notice me? What can I count on? What is real? And at times my mind wanders and I can live with God embarrassingly so in very superficial ways sometimes. I don't know if you've ever had days like that. I have. I've had days that turn into weeks sometimes. I sometimes find myself and I say, God, I have, I have allowed things to slip away from me and I don't want to let them slip away and so I bring it back. I get my mind focused back on the mind of the spirit, off the mind of the flesh. It's a struggle. It's a battle. I think we best admit it because then we can change, right? Okay. Told you I was almost done. I really am almost done reading this part. If I'm not careful, then I live a double kind of life. My spiritual life at church meetings, small groups, worship and the like, but I struggle to live out my life of faith in the day-to-day -day experience of my life, my work, my family, my friends. God is around, but mostly at a distance in my actual experience. And into this landscape, Jesus bursts forth and says, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, I'm aware, and if you've ever heard me speak here before, that's probably not the first time, if you've heard me speak before, that you've ever heard me quote that verse. I think I pretty much quote that verse every single time I speak anywhere now. You know why? Because Jesus focused on that over and over and over again. How many of you know that that word repent in that passage, what's it mean? Does it mean sorry for my sins? Not sure. No, it doesn't. What's it mean? Anybody want to venture a guess? What? You got to say it loud enough so I can hear it. I got hearing aids. What, what do you think? Turn around is definitely part of it. It is. That's a big part of it. It's changed the way you think. It's a thinking term. So it makes sense, doesn't it? Change the way you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus said. Change the way you look at reality because the kingdom of heaven is now here accessible. Now, when he said it's at hand, he didn't mean it was about to come, and he didn't mean that it's someplace that we go to when we die. Which it is, but he also meant the accessibility of the kingdom is here now. The, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. It's trusting in his power and his resources to get done what he wants to get done. And Jesus walked in that, of course, as the Son of Man, the Son of God, flawlessly. Okay? So, two landscapes. Jesus says, think in terms of, not of course, not, not, not just that first landscape, the physical. Think in terms of the reality of the spiritual. And so then he comes along, and I'll just paraphrase some of these things. We don't have uh, scripture verses. I'm just going to rely on your memory. He comes along and he says things like this. So why do you worry? Well, well how much time you have? I'll tell you why I worry. You know, why do you worry? I mean, he, I mean, he says it very uh, wonderfully and very confidently, doesn't he? Why, why are you worried? Don't you know that God cares for you? He asks these great questions. Don't you know that you're worth more than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field? Don't you know that? He, he takes care of them. 
He certainly will take care of you, Jesus says. How many birds are you worth anyway? You ever tried to measure your life in birds? How many, how many birds would that be? And he, he says these things in the context of thinking differently because he's not putting his focus and his attention on the physical. Storm comes up in the Sea of Galilee. What's he doing? He's asleep. What, are you kidding me? The disciples say, don't you care that we're about to perish? That's an interesting passage just to think about. What if they wouldn't have made him wake up? What would have happened? I, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. I know that he wouldn't have died prematurely because he was gonna, he had to face the cross. That wasn't part of God's plan. But we might have had another, a different kind of account in the scriptures of what happened in that story, right? And the boat got swamped and a boat tipped over and they found Jesus, you fill in the blank. I, you know, I don't know. But they did wake him up and he calms the storm and they say, who is this? He even has power to calm the storm. Now, as we move or as we live in this first landscape, the landscape of the physical, and you can't escape that, you, and I'm not suggesting that you escape it. You are a physical being. You, 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 are a, you have a physical body. You are a spiritual being, but you have a physical body, and you can't escape that. But your mind, we, um, we focus our mind on the things of the spirit, right? The mindset on flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. So, but we don't step into this, have you noticed, just fully automatic and there's never a problem in the care again. It's a journey, isn't it? It's a journey. We're learning how to live not just in the physical but in the reality of the spiritual realm of the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to, I've, I've taken all this time to say, I want to talk to you about how we do that. And it would certainly take more than one sermon, but I'm going to give it a shot here tonight, at least that part of it. How do we do that? We don't just launch into this kind of living. Uh, we have to learn how to train ourselves under God's help, how to think and welcome the reality of the kingdom of God into your everyday life, into your ordinary everyday life, into the life of like when you're stuck in traffic, when your roommate and you have just had an argument, when you go to that family uh, meal, you know, where all the family gets together and once again, Uncle Al shows up and Uncle Al is the one who always ruins things. How do you welcome the kingdom of God into something like that? How do you welcome the kingdom of God into your life when you're stuck in traffic and you're frustrated with everybody that's in front of you, forgetting that the person behind you is frustrated with you because you're blocking them. But we tend to look at that very selfishly, don't we? How do I welcome the kingdom of God when my, the job that I'm working in, and this is a big one, because we spend a lot of our time in life in our jobs. So if you can't see why the kingdom of God is working in, at your job and in you, in your life and heart. I'm not saying fixing everybody else. I'm saying we're talking, I have one life that God's given me charge over and you have one life God's given you charge over. If I can't see that in my job, that's a big chunk of time that I'm, I'm wasting. How do we do this? Well, in 2 Peter 
A little verse tucked away at the end of that chapter says this, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever, amen. We're gonna talk for the rest of the time now, how do we grow in grace and knowledge? And as we do that, we gotta define some terms here. Now here's another pop quiz question. You did pretty good on the repent one, here's another one. How have you heard grace defined typically? Shout, how have you heard grace defined? What's grace? Huh? Okay, I heard the last part, favor. What's, okay, undeserved favor. Okay, I heard it, unmerited favor. How when I was growing up in my Christian walk. Does that sound pretty common? Anybody want to offer anything else? All right, I'm going to suggest to you that's, that that's, what you've heard is very accurate. I'm going to suggest to you it's not very helpful. And here why. Here's why. If I say to you, I have some unmerited favor for you, I'm going to give you at the end of the talk, you don't know what that is. You just know that it's unmerited favor. But it doesn't tell you what it is. It tells you that you can't earn it, but I, and I tell you it's in my pocket. You don't know if it's a stick of gum or a gold coin or a $100 bill, that's fake. That wouldn't be unmerited favor. That wouldn't be any favor. But you, you, the point is, you don't know what it is. And so we've grown up in our Christian life looking for the grace of God. I'm going to suggest to you very clearly from the scripture, and this is not original with me, that it's much different than that and much more helpful than that. It is unmerited. Look at... Um, 1 Corinthians 15.10. Bing, there it is. But by the grace of God, this is Paul writing, but by the grace, there's our word, by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. Whatever grace is, it's something that's coupled with Paul's, in this case, laboring, and yet he says, it's not just all on my labor, it's something that God is working in me. Now by this time we know Paul is already saved. So he's not talking about the grace that saves us. He's talking about his ministry and his mission. I'm going to suggest to you that what grace is, is that grace is God's action in our life doing for us what we could never accomplish on our own. Does that include salvation? Of course it does. But it includes much more than that. In my little business that I have across the bay, uh, I deal with a lot of plywood in my life. And because I deal with a lot of plywood, I have to have a forklift. Forklifts are great inventions. And what makes a forklift so wonderful is it has something called a hydraulic system on it. And what hydraulics allow you to do is you pull this lever. My forklift happens to be able to lift, believe it or not, 12,000 pounds. I get on my forklift and I pull this little lever and I give it enough throttle and it will raise 12,000 pounds. Now here's the amazing thing. When my daughter was little and she got on my forklift, which she did, she could pull the same lever. And you know what? She could lift 12,000 pounds. Yet not her but the hydraulic system that was working as a result of her participation in the process. Make sense? Yeah. 
So when Paul says, I labored, he's participating. There's something that he's doing. But yet he realizes it's not just him. Folks, this is such an important key for us to understand that what, we, what we're looking for in our lives is the grace of God to meet us so that we can accomplish what God's calling us to accomplish, but it's way beyond our ability. And it is unmerited. You can't earn it, but it's not without effort. And I know that can make us nervous when we say, oh, wait, I've been told all my life, there's nothing I can, there's nothing I can do. Well, we're going to see in a few moments, there's plenty of scripture that tells us to do some things. Actually, quite a lot do some things. In our own power, no. But we have to, as it were, pull the handle. My forklift can sit there and idle until it runs out of fuel. And if nobody, it can be under the load and it can be all ready to go. And if nobody pulls that lever, that hydraulic system is just not going to do it. Or anything like that, an electric bicycle that's designed to assist you. It's not designed to take you all the way back. It's designed to assist you. And you got my age, although I rode my bicycle today and I don't need an electric motor. But I can imagine one day needing something like that. And I would welcome the assistance of that electric motor. Okay, you get the point, right? So we're defining grace, just to repeat, God isn't, God, grace is God in action. It's unmerited, but it's God working his life into me, doing what I could never do on my own. So another way to say this is grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. You don't earn it, but it's not opposed to effort. It's God's active power. We'll look at a couple other verses uh, just to illustrate this. Look at Acts 4. 33, and with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. Interesting. Great power, and abundant grace was on them. What was the grace on them for? To give them power to do their ministry, giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and they needed power to do that. Because anybody can say the words, but when, you're, when the anointing of the Spirit of God is on us, for instance, and you're praying for somebody, and the grace of God is flowing, you realize pretty quickly, it's not you. And in fact, if you're anything like me, I hope you're not totally like me, because that would not be a good thing. You sometimes are shocked at what's happening. You almost want to say, Oh, no. No, I, that happened. I mean, you know, you stepped out in obedience and you prayed, and then something happened. Maybe right then and there, maybe later. But you're shocked because the grace of God came in. My little daughter, my daughter's not little anymore. She's 27, soon to be 27. I remember her eyes, how big they got when I showed her what she could do with that forklift. And she didn't, she was too young, she was like five, she didn't want to actually drive it around. Drive it around. But she said, wow, Dad, any kid that gets up there and does that and sees that their, their kingdom has just been extended because now they can do something, they, they can do something that Dad can do. It's amazing. Okay, so that's, that's the grace. Now remember, we're called, we're challenged by 2 Peter 3.18 to grow in that. We're to grow in grace. 
And we grow in grace by stepping out, and it's related to knowledge, because he said grow in grace and knowledge. Let's see how knowledge hooks up with it. So we're talking about a life, our life, mingled with God's life. I've received the Lord into my life. He's growing me. He's helping me. He's teaching me about anointing in my life. He's teaching me about uh, doing things that I could never do on my own. This often, I've seen it so often in my business and in my family. My, I don't think we've talked about this too much, but we have an oldest son who now, praise God, has pretty much nine months of recovery. He was addicted to meth uh, amphetamines most of his life. And we talk about depending upon the grace of God in our lives. We needed God's grace, and he needed God's grace. And it's an amazing story. And right, right now, he's got, he's got nine months sober. And, and, he's, and he loves the Lord, and he's, he's, he's making some headway. Is his life perfect? No. Is my life perfect? No. Did I blow it along the way? Absolutely. Did my wife? Yeah, not as much as I did, I don't think, you know. But we needed the grace of God. Okay. Now, knowledge. Grow in knowledge. So hold that definition of grace and how, how you understand how it works. Knowledge, we have knowledge of something when we're able to present it as it is, on a basis of thought and experience, and we have interactive relationship with it. Now, what we're talking about, that kind of knowledge, is different than head knowledge, right? We all, we're familiar with head knowledge, right? Head knowledge is you learn some facts, and when you were in school, or if you're in school still, you put those facts down on the paper, and, you, and you, if you got the facts right, you got an A. You don't even have to believe what you put down on the test to be true. You can just, you just put the right answers down and you got it. That's head knowledge. That's not what he's talking about. In fact, in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Old Testament, knowledge, knowledge without experience doesn't make sense to them. That, it, it's just, that's not knowledge. So knowledge, and think about it in your own life. When you have knowledge of something, some of you here may be computer programmers or you maybe have some other kind of skill and you're really good at it. Whatever it is that you're really good at, you have really good knowledge of that. When we need what you, what you have, what you know, we, we go to you and we say, could you help me with this? It can be plumbing, it can be, it can be anything. If you're looking for someone Let's use, let's use a doctor. When you go to a doctor, you want a doctor to not just have head knowledge, right? You want that doc to know what he or she is talking about. You want them to have some experience with whatever it is that you're facing. Or a dentist, or a mechanic, or you name it. You, want, you don't want somebody to say, we're really lucky at fixing cars. Bring your car here. You want, when you take it in there, you want them to be able to tell you exactly what's wrong with it. That's competency. That's knowledge. We're to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. Now, does that mean that we learn everything that there is to know about God? No. It doesn't mean that. It just means that we grow in it. And some of you have already done that. Some of you know what God's voice sounds like. And it's not always audible. Most of the times it's not. I've never heard the audible voice of God. If I did, I wasn't aware that it was God. I might find out different in the next life, you know. You, you weren't listening. You didn't hear me. But I know what it's like for God to speak to me through my, what we call our minds. I know, what, I know 
a lot better than I knew when I started out when I didn't know anything about hearing God's voice, uh, how it comes. And it's often comes from like what we say left field. It's not something I typically would have thought of. It gives me pause often. It makes me just, hmm, is that God? I think that's God. And then you ask him and you ask him to confirm and maybe you talk to a good friend of yours and you say, I think God's speaking to me about such and so. Does this sound like this could be God? And it's really good to, to bounce it off of a friend. But you can grow in that. You can learn. And then sometimes we, we miss it. We just, we just we make a mistake. That's okay. But we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. Now, knowledge of God includes learning what he is, what his character is like. I'm going to illustrate it by thinking of a good friend. Think of a good friend that you have, a really good friend. I have a really good friend. I have uh, coffee with him, not every week, but almost every week. I have lunch with him often, go camping with my wife and uh, me and his wife and him. We go camping together. And uh, uh, he's just a really, really good friend. I haven't known him like all my life, but the, the, as much as I've known, I'm just just good friend, good guy. Now, here's what I know. His name is Chris. Here's what I know about Chris. Perhaps like you, I have a friend like this. I could call him up in the middle of the night with any problem I'm facing. Maybe I'm upset about my son's recovery. We've spent a lot of time talking about that, by the way, but... Uh, maybe there's something wrong. Maybe my hot water heater is blown up and the water's going everywhere and I don't know what to do or, you know, something, something, I just need his help. Here's what I know about Chris. And how have I gotten to know this? Through interactive relationship. Same way we get to know God. Through walking with God and learning. I know that Chris would respond in a heartbeat. He would come over and he would help me. I know, and I, I haven't even asked him this if he would do this, but I tell you, I know this, that if I was on a, if I was down in Southern California and I got stuck, my wife and I got stuck down there, we had some kind of mechanical problem and for some reason we didn't, we, we just needed help. Let's say we needed some kind of, we needed financial help. Look, our credit cards got stolen and we couldn't get through to our bank or our, our account was locked. You know, you imagine that the, and say, Chris, I, I, I need $1,000. In a heartbeat, Chris would give me $1,000. What do you know about God on levels like that? What are you growing in? Because you can grow in it. You may not be at that place. Some of you in this room, I'm sure, are at a place further along than I am. It doesn't, it has very little to do with age. It has to do with interactive experience. Some of you, I bet, have seen God do some amazing things through your prayer life. Some things that if you, if you told other people, they would hardly even believe it. But you know, you know God did that. So we're invited, we're challenged, we're called to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Day by day, week by week, we welcome him in. We welcome him to where we spend the most time, in our jobs, in our families, in commute traffic, 
here's something that's helpful to do. Find a place where you find it really hard to find God in your life. Just, you know, just some, some issue. And welcome this kingdom into that place. And say, God, I don't know how you want to do it. I, I'm going to tell you a simple little thing. I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I, I care so much about helping you with this. I, I'm going to risk embarrassment. Oh, this is... It's not, it's not the deepest, darkest sin I could confess to you, but it, it just feels embarrassing to me. Okay, so I have this business, right? And the majority of the time, all, all our customers, they just they pay us, they do what they say, we do what we say. It just, it's great. Every now and then, somebody comes along, and for the, it seems like for the silliest reasons, they're not going to pay. I... Uh, agreed to send some product, some of our product. Here's what's embarrassing. This we're talking sixty-two dollars worth of product. Okay, in good faith, I sent this to him before he paid. Hardly ever do that, but just just as a rule. But you know, and I gave him a break on uh, on the order and sent it off to him. That guy will not pay me. Now, do I do I have to have sixty-two bucks? No. It just gets me. It just, it's a place where I, look, maybe revival will break out if I make this confession strong enough, right? <laughs> it just gets me. You know, here, here's how it goes in my mind. If I, if I was to say to him, and I just think it, but, you know, Jesus says if you think it, you pretty much have done it. So you get no extra points. It's better to not say it, but if you think it, you're pretty much a rascal, okay? So here's what I think. You know, man, you called me up and you needed this, and you told me you didn't need the full, the full order, so I gave you half of what you needed, and I sent it off to you without any prepayment, and you don't have the wherewithal to simply pay your bill. And I've called you, I mean, again, I, I, am I tempted to leave a message like this? Yeah, but I haven't. I called you, and, and you don't return my calls. You don't even answer your phone. I'm sure he, he knows my number, and, you know, there's ways to do all that. So I'm sitting on my forklift. Remember the good old forklift? I'm sitting on my forklift just last week, and this is fresh. This is fresh stuff, you know? And the Lord speaks to me and says, boy, that's 62 bucks. That's, that's, really, that's really getting you. you. You're thinking a lot about that $62. You're really, you're really bugged by that. Can you give it to me? And stop calling him. Now, here's what I'm pretty sure about. This is not about getting the 62 bucks. The question that I sense God asked me was, can you let it go? in the kingdom? And can you let go of whatever that is that is in your life, in your heart, that obsesses over when you feel that someone has wronged you? See, that's what it's about. Because that's, that's the weakness that I have, I know, perhaps you have, is when you're wronged. And when you're wronged, we're invited to look at that wrongness, not through this temporal world, but through the reality of the Spirit and say, can I let, you, can I let that person go? 
So I said, sitting on that forklift, it wasn't, wasn't in my prayer time in the morning. It was just sitting right there where I spend my day in the hot sun. I said, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm, I'm giving you this whole thing as best as I can. I'm, I'm, I'm letting loose of it. I'm turning loose of it. <sighs> day or two later, I feel this little knock on my heart. You know, you were really wronged by that guy. You, you ought to, you know, and I said, uh, no, nope, I'm letting that go. And I don't know if that was the enemy or that was just me because I think sometimes I'm, I, can, I can be my own worst enemy without the enemy even having to do anything. And sometimes I think it's the enemy. So, but the, the issue is, can I grow in grace and knowledge in the Lord Jesus Christ in this huge picture of the kingdom of God and can I learn to let $60, $62 go so that I can learn to bless someone when they cut me off when I'm driving, so that I can learn that, God forbid, if my son relapses and something terrible happens, that I can say, you know, Lord, you're in control of this. That's where I want to live. And I'm sure that that's where... God wants us to live. And that's where he wants you to live. And it may not be 62 bucks. And please, don't give me any offering for 62 bucks tonight. I'm not, it's a poor guy. He needs, you know, he's got to get gas to get back over the bridge, you know. You understand, right? It's the wrongness that's in my heart that sometimes is alive and well and, and most of the time I don't like it that it's alive and well. I say most of the time because I don't think I'd obsess over it if I didn't, you know, get some sort of deceptive thing out of it. You know, it's stupid that I do that. So that's my confession. We'll form a line tonight and we'll let you make confessions about, <laughs> you know, silly things like that. But no, you know, it's serious though, isn't it? And there are some deeper things that we can confess to good friends and trusting friends. So let me close by uh, reading you this and then we'll be done. This is from 2 Peter, uh, Peter 1, 2 through 8. Uh, so this is going to be broken up as we go through this. So grace, here's our word again, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus seeing that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate. Remember we talked about that at the beginning? Paul participating, you participating, me participating in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, like demanding $62. For this very reason, and here's the effort, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. God, I don't want to be this cheap guy that wants you to rain fire on customers that don't pay you. I'm adding goodness. God, I want goodness in my life. And to goodness, knowledge. God, I know, I know this is what you're like. I know this is what you want. 
I've seen it before, and to knowledge self-control. Because knowledge can sometimes puff up. So we have to have self-control. Yeah, I know some things, but I don't know everything. And to self-control perseverance. Don't give up in this. Don't give up in growing in grace and knowledge. I lost my place. Uh, and to perseverance godliness. And to godliness mutual affection. And to mutual affection love. These lists always end with love. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, or they begin with love. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. It's always love. For if, these, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Knowledge is a really big thing. Remember, not head knowledge, experiential knowledge. Where do you want to grow? Where's God inviting you to grow in the knowledge of him? Take it to him. Take your job, take your family, take your commute, take your uh, physical situation right now, take your financial situation. There's some things he wants to teach you. He's going to help you. It's all true. You're not wasting your time. You're in the right place. He's for you. He wants to teach you what he's like so that as, just as we know in the human level, as as faulty as that can be, good friends that we can call upon that will help us in a heartbeat, God even more so. Now it's his responsibility to do it the way he wants to do it. And because he's the master teacher, he will choose various ways to pull that off for us. But we can trust him. And we rejoice in him no matter what. So like someone like Paul says, or Paul says something like this, I've learned to do I've learned to go with little or with much. I've learned how to trust God in whatever circumstance I find myself. I don't have to demand that it look a certain way. Could you stand for just a minute? I just want to speak a blessing over you and then we'll, we'll be done. And I, and I think that uh, at least one thing that uh, I want to, for the ministry time, I'll say this now so you can be thinking about it. I had a sense, I, I think this is from the Lord, uh, that there's some of you here that you know that you're being called to something that is way beyond your ability. You know that. That work has already been done that you know that you're being called. The part that hasn't been done, this is my sense, the part that hasn't been done is you don't have a clue how it's going to happen. Uh, I'd like us to pray for you. So if that's you, I'd like you to, when we, when we release the ministry time, I'd like you to, to, to come over here. And might be one of you, might be two of you, might be four or five of you, I don't know. But the, the issue is this. You know you're being called by God on a particular mission or focus, but you have no clue. It, when you look at that, you just say it's insurmountable. See, this has to do with grace. This has to do with grace coming in and doing that work. Okay? Now, let's just bow our heads and let me just pray a prayer over you. Lord, as much as I love these young people, I know you love them a billion times more. Your love is everlasting and unending. Would you 
release and grant to them a refreshing anointing that rests on this congregation so that they can do what you've called them to do and that they can solve what they need to solve, whatever that might be. I don't pretend to know. But Lord, would you help them see the path of participation with you to grow in your grace and your knowledge. Not that you would just zap them and it would be some sort of automatic, robotic kind of a thing, but through participation and the resting of your Holy Spirit upon them that brings about effect and production and magnificent fruit of the Spirit that goes so far beyond their own abilities that they would say, truly, God was in this place, and I did not know it. But now I know, and now I see. As they step out in grace and gain more knowledge to step out even further, and that continues to grow in our faith, I bless them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, Nancy or the prayer, I don't know if you have more that you want to do, but I'd like to meet those of you, that, if there's anybody here that's going to respond to that, and there might be some other prayer that you want to release or whatever you want to do. Yes, I, well, to, I don't have anything to add to that except to say um, that we will have um, ministry time, so if you want to respond please respond to this word. Um, we'll have people praying on either side. And if you just want, um, as Jeff Nichols said, if you don't pray from him, or if you just want, we'll open up the front so you can come and spend time with God. But yeah, just invite you guys to respond. Thank you. Uh, and where's the